here's the rub. I really don't like Bruce Lee movies. Bruce Lee, he's the man with the fists of fury. He's Bruce Lee, the master of karate, kung fu, delivering that Chinese connection. Bruce Lee, now the motion picture that became history, the man that became a legend, returns. Enter the dragon. Bruce Lee is back in the all-new fantastic adventures of the superhero he created in Enter the Dragon. Bruce Lee gives his last and best performance in Return of the Dragon. Now, superstar, Superman, the one, the only, the immortal, Bruce Lee. In the super screen excitement of them all, game of death, never such action. You know, hi, I'm Paul Yelovich. Hey, everybody, I'm Joe Mazel. I guess if you do a podcast on kung fu movies, you have to talk about Bruce Lee, right? It's required. I mean, he is the icon. It's like, what what are you going to do? Not discuss the guy who, for whom, certainly in America, the genre is based on, you know? Even in Hong Kong, he seems to be, you know, a ridiculous legend. You oh, know, yeah respected and admired and idolized but of course here's the rub i really don't like bruce lee movies we will get into that i'm sure but to your point hong kong cinema tends to be very ethereal almost like you know what was gordon Liu doing in 1987 you know, after Shaw Brothers closed. And yes, you could say he did some TVD stuff and you see him around on occasion. But like Bruce Lee is the one standard where like I watched uh, the Jackie Chan, Sammo Hung movie, Heart of the Dragon recently, and which came out, I think about 85. And you see a Bruce Lee poster in Jackie's house. He's the one guy who like goes over the uh, span of time. You know, City Hunter, what's that, 1994? And there's like the tribute to uh, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar game of death, you know, game of death sequence. Like he doesn't, he he's never died. He's never lost his iconic stature, which is not true of a lot of Hong Kong, uh, you know, a lot of Hong Kong martial arts. Oh yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think the the thing that I have to clarify here is I like Bruce Lee. But I, I, I don't like the movies. I mean, it's a very interesting thing with Bruce Lee. He dies, he dies so young. Mm -hmm. He dies at a time where dying young did make a lot of people into legends. You yeah, know? just like the James Dean, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And uh, at the peak of his uh, fame and at the start of this craze of martial arts films, even compared to other Kung Fu movies of the time, I mean, Bruce Lee stands out as being different. He's different the way he fights, the way he looks. It's the films that somehow just leave me a little wanting. The fight scenes are usually exceptional. Here's the thing. After we go through his films, I think I just want to present a theory that I have. About, <laughs> I, I have a theory about what I think might have happened had Bruce Lee lived. But when did you first become aware of Bruce Lee? I don't like 
Star Trek, Batman 66. Um, God, there was one other one. I was just discussing this with a friend the other day. Oh, Godzilla movies. There wasn't a time I didn't know them. They are part of the air I breathe. They're part of the ether. You know, like stuff I've always known and Bruce Lee was there. Like I'm born in 74, Bruce Lee died in 73. Uh, By the time I was, you know, aware of the world, there has always been Kung Fu movies on, uh, you know, Channel 5. There's always been like a syndicated Kung Fu movie package. And um, except for Enter the Dragon, the Bruce Lee films were always a part of that. There's never been a time I didn't know who Bruce Lee was. And on top of that, growing up in a, you know, large Asian neighborhood in Queens, you know, like every variety store and stuff, like, you know, they're always selling like throwing, they they always, when I was a kid, throwing stars with Bruce Lee's face on it, Bruce Lee posters. Yeah. Um, You know, when I became like a martial arts, like junkie, when I was like in my very early teens, you'd go to Chinatown and it'd be like, Okay, so you want these nunchucks? How would you like the yellow and orange jumpsuit? You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. the or- orange and black jumpsuit from Game of Death. You know, like- yeah, I mean, definitely. <clears throat> I mean, I'm a, I'm a little older than you. I was born in '67, so you know, as a young kid, I and was- wiser. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, God, no. I remember commercials, commercials for Bruce Lee films playing in Manhattan. You know, I I was probably too young to be watching at that point. He's iconic. Yeah. And and like you say, there's there's a, you know, you grow up uh, in Staten Island, you know, I don't know how many times asshole kids threatened me with nunchucks <laughs> that they didn't know how to use. Uh, there was a, you know, every flea market had at least one stall that had all the martial arts shit in it. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, and yeah, Bruce Lee is on posters. He's on denim jackets. He is. They are still making movies about him. Mm-hmm. Uh he's still talked about and deservingly so I don't believe he doesn't deserve that. Definitely timing has something to do with it. And unfortunately his death has something to do with it. He is an amazing icon. Yeah. It's so weird talking about this. I I don't want to piss people off because I don't want them to misunderstand. I I don't know about you. Did you rewatch some of these recently? I watched all of his film. I watched all the like, the main films. Right. And well, he only has four of them. So like, right. I didn't get a chance to watch the many clones of Bruce Lee or Bruce Lee versus Superman. Or something. Right. Right. Bruce exploitation is something. Oh, yeah. we need to, need <laughs> That's to another episode in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or a whole podcast series. Yeah. I rewatched enter the dragon mm-hmm. and you know, the slickest of his films. <laughs> and, and I watched, you know, and I, I'm, I'm reading up on it and it's listed as one of the, you know, considered one of the greatest martial arts films of all time, if not the greatest martial arts film of all time. And I unequivocally think that's crazy. I love Enter the Dragon, but I agree with you. It is, as I said, it is the most professional Bruce Lee film. It is definitely the slickest. There are so many things to recommend about it. You know, not even including Bruce Lee, the Lalo Schifrin score. John Saxon being a fun character actor. Jim Kelly having swagger to spare. Um, not to mention, and as a you know, kung fu nerd, you have things like, hey, it's Angela Mao. Hey, it's Sammo Hung. Yeah, you there's know, like yeah, Lam Chi Ying is in the background. There's you yeah. know, yes, there's a lot of people to look at in crowds. Yeah, in no, I mean like, a, you know, I mean I like Jackie Chan's a stuntman in the uh, brawl where Bruce Lee beats whatever like forty people in the right. uh, in Han's underground cavern. 
And, you know, I, I sent you, uh, you know, I sent you a message a couple of weeks ago, which was basically like, is there a movie that would have more people who became leading men or women than, you know, that isn't something like, you know, Great Escape, <laughs> like The Great right. Escape, than like Enter the Dragon. And also Enter the Dragon is one of those films that is like Jaws slash Star Wars before Jaws slash Star Wars. You know, it's a blockbuster before, you know, before like the media invented the term blockbuster. Oh, sure. It, it You know, it made a, a tremendous amount of money. It changed everything. But and it's entertaining as hell, you know. And and that's where I have start having issues with that film in particular. It it amazed me on rewatching how Bruce Lee kind of disappears during sections of it. I like the movie, I enjoy it, but the odd thing about it is, I never think about rewatching it. I, I very rarely going, I would like to watch Enter the Dragon again. If I watch it, I enjoy it. Uh, I don't enjoy John Saxon's fighting. I think that's a major mistake. Well, he did take karate. I mean, apparently but, he but, was a martial, like he was at least a, you know, like fashionable Hollywood late 60s guy who took like martial arts. And that's an interesting point, which is I don't think it has anything to do with whether you're a real martial artist or not. It's more along the lines of how you perform on screen. I mean, if you if you rewatch Enter the Dragon, John Saxon's first fight scene, I mean, they literally, it's such a close-up, you know. You gotta but, love it. <laughs> oh, but I do. I think John Saxon... No, that's a little of the line from the guy with the mustache. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, but I, I again, I feel very defensive during this for some reason. But I Ooh, love John Saxon. I, sorry to cut you off. The guy with the mustache is the referee in Karate Kid. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and I, and like, I think he was like one of Ed Parker's like uh, students. Like he was a real competitive martial artist. Like, right, you know? right. You get that uh, in, a, in a bunch of things. You, you see Bruce Lee using real martial artists. That might be the reason why I don't enjoy it as much, these films as much as I do other ones. They're a little slower. They're a little less goofy. Although they tend to get goofy. So here's my problems with Enter the Dragon. Please. Right? Well, first, let me talk about what isn't a problem for me with Enter the Dragon. Is pretty much every time Bruce Lee is on screen. The fights vary in quality because of who he's fighting in each scene. But he is a presence. I really enjoy that. I think it looks gorgeous. Um, yeah. You know, of all the things you ticked off before the production you know, is ridiculously i, high, I you mean know? you you could tell you know there's crane shots there's stuff going on there's all these other classic kung fu actors that you just marvel at seeing and i enjoy that i, I enjoy john saxon talking i you know i think he's charming as hell but when it comes to the movie there's something about the structure and it leaves me wanting I mean, of all the Bruce Lee films, of, of his four films, we should say, <laughs> I would probably put that as my second, uh, Enter the Dragon as my second favorite. And when I watched it the last time, I noticed Bruce Lee disappears for a while so John Saxon could do the, the kind of story part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's... Where Han is sort of like, you know, convincing him to join. Right, uh, exactly. Join the organization. Yeah. Right. The end fight... I mean, the, the whole of Mirrors is great. Everything's great. But 
it, it, it seems a little odd to me. It's, it's some qualities of, uh, of Bruce Lee films, rethinking about them now, that I, I didn't really ever have in the front of my mind. He doesn't train. Bruce Lee usually comes in as the badass, mm-hmm. you know? He's usually better yeah, he than- Yeah, he's always fully formed. Right, yeah. there is no training sequences. There's no manuals he has to go to, none of that shit. He's fucking ready to kick ass. He's such an incredible presence on screen. For me, I find it hard to believe anybody could beat him. So <laughs> the fights lack a kind of tension for me. And that definitely is true for me for the end fight in, uh, in Edge of the Dragon. It just doesn't feel like he's not going to make it. Bruce Lee will get cut. He'll get cut on his stomach. He'll get cut on his face. A lot of movies, not a problem. But I never feel like he's in jeopardy. And it's odd because a lot of martial artists, you know, those Steven Seagal's, that's one of the things you hate about them is they just never feel like... Yeah, they're not real fights. It's basically like, hey, I'm Steven Seagal. I'll beat the crap out of you. Right. And, you know, and you'll be in awe of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and if we ever do a Seagal or American martial arts films, I have the, I have this theory, and we'll bring it up in another episode, but it's sort of like America had this attitude that I basically call karate is magic. Okay. Um, that is, if you watch the Nor- if you watch Chuck Norris films, if you watch uh, Van Damme, but specifically Norris and like Steven Seagal, it, it's very much like, all right, I'm going to kick you. And you're going to fly 40 feet in the air. The very idea that I can kick is a unique and wonderful thing <laughs> that no, no common man could ever, sure. could ever possess. Sure. Like, sure. <laughs> I mean, I think with Chuck Norris, it's just sort of like, despite actual bona fides, he was, you know, legitimate martial arts champion. And I'm not going to take that away from him. There is like, you know, acting wise, he's a block of wood. But I think when it came to like his fight scenes, there's absolutely no imagination. Um, I think the kind of his best is the end of um with David Carradine, one with McQuaid. Okay. And even that, it's not great. And it's still like every other fight besides that is sort of like, ha, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big fat redneck. Well, I can kick you with <laughs> you know, I can give you a sidekick. Obviously, that's going to make you fly 30 feet in the air. Uh, <laughs> um, right. But, you know, forgive my tangent. Just watch Into the Dragon last night. The thing is, it's sort of like, you're right. There is a kind of like, I'm a badass. There is a, and I wonder if there's a, uh, you know, if there was a thoughtful connection to this, but there was a kind of like, the only thing I can kind of compare it to is sort of the Man With No Name films, the Clint Eastwood, you know, Dollars trilogy, where, again, he comes in, like, obviously I can shoot all of you in a way, you know, without even like, without blinking an eye and without, you know, like uh, breaking a sweat. And if that, if that was an influence where it's just sort of like, yeah, no, I'm invincible. The thing is it's sort of like, but I still have to, you know, put the thought into beating up these people. Right. But within the fights and, and again, because he's a real martial art, not only is he a real martial artist, but he was an inventor of a style of martial arts. So there's a kind of like a philosophy of fighting to that. You'll see things like in the Sammo Hung fight in the beginning, like, you know, he'll kick you, but, you know, it won't be this grand kick in the face. It'll be like, you know, it's like like watching like a Ric Flair Harley race fight or something where it's sort of like, you know, I'm going to kick you right below the knee, you know, like, like I'll work the knee <laughs> and then I'll, you know, like hit you in the foot, you know, with my fist. Like, it's not just I'm beating you. It's like I'm actually very thoughtful about how I'm beating you. 
Well, yeah, I was I was thinking about this. How, how, how Bruce Lee presents himself in these films as, look, I come to you in a philosophy about fighting, how to fight, how you should fight, um, how to win fights. Uh, a lot of that, I think, is vocalized in the uh, in this in the stuff that he shot for Game of Death, which I don't even know if it made it to the the released version of Game of Death. Mm-hmm. But that quality is interesting from other kung fu movies, which is more like. Here's Mantis style. Here's Eagle Claw. Here's a way of training in it. Here's doing that. This is like being fluid, being open. It's his philosophy, I guess, of what he trained in fighting. It's his philosophy on film. It's different. It's interesting. It works. It just, most of his movies, there's a lot of scenes with him beating up people that are so easily beatable mm-hmm. that. I kind of just wished it was pushed a little more. Uh, And there is that, you know, one of the Bruce Lee stories is the original director of um, Big Boss. Right. uh, And apparently Lo Wei, who apparently was the second director of Big Boss, complained about this too, was, yeah, he doesn't want to fight anybody. Like, you know, the whole thing about martial arts films is like, no, you know, if you're taking on 10 guys, you got to like, each guy should take like two minutes. Like you have to have like a back and forth. And Bruce Lee's theory is like, no, like they're thugs. Like they're not supposed to take two or three minutes. I get rid of them immediately. Hmm. And then, you know, the got the masters, those are the people that it's going to be like, you know, that's actually going to be a five or 10 minute fight. Otherwise, like, why am I the hero? If I'm having trouble with like, guy with ice pick number three yeah but unfortunately i feel like the the end the big bosses of all his films never quite live up to that for me i have a very weird thing martial arts films the the best fight should be the end fight i i know it's a yeah, i agree with that you know right and it's personal it, it's not real it's yeah. not a real rule of thumb I, I i could name a dozen films where some middle fight is better than the end fight and I'm always a little disappointed. Well, it's also what you like. Like, I yeah. love, like, one guy takes on, like, 100 dudes. Uh, my favorite fight, like, in the Chinese boxer is, you know, uh, Jimmy Wang, you, you know, going to the tea house and just demolishing everybody with, like, the mask on and the gloves. Right. And, you know, using the axe and the chain and everything else. That, But I agree with you in that the final fight, if not necessarily your favorite, should be the most dramatic. You know, right. it should be the... Yeah, and, and I feel like... The one you're waiting for. Right, and <laughs> and I think that, you know, and it's funny because I feel like it happens. Even even the Chuck Norris fight in, in Way of the Dragon is, I mean, it's an iconic fight where they fight on a, on the, on a studio set of the Coliseum. I mean, that set is something else, but whatever. Yeah. But it's the, a studio set, but I love how they're just the little pieces of B-roll. Like, uh, yeah. you know, Chuck Norris, stand, you know, in, you know, under the arch and the like top floor of the Coliseum. And, and I'm sure know, floor isn't the right term, but forgive me, I've never been to Rome. No, that's fine. <laughs> it, well, unless you're unless you're an architect, we'll let it slide. <laughs> you know, and and that's the thing. All Bruce Lee is very much kind of hit very hard, very fast, very powerfully. Beat, kick again, very fast. Very, it, it, there's a kind of I don't want to say hesitation again it all seems so overly critical because it's the style it's obviously what i prefer to what bruce lee was doing which eventually we'll get to my theory with you, you know what like 
let, you want to go through the movies real quick? Let's go through the movies. I All want right. to bring up this point. There are a lot of people who shit on Bruce Lee. And one thing I never hear mentioned when like, you know, kind of film nerds or Kung Fu nerds are shitting on Bruce Lee is that like, he starts so early in the genre in terms of the open hand fighting. Like obviously oh, there've been like yes. Ushu films since the thirties yes. and every, you know, and Hong Kong cinema and Chinese cinema is so vast that like, I always pause before I say this is the first, because then I will always find like, no, no, there was this film about, you know, a Kung Fu master fights like a Western boxer that came out in 1963. Uh, but in terms of the, I guess with the English called the basher, mm. like his films are very early in that. Oh, We're yeah. still martial arts film. Yeah. You know, like Hong Kong, Chinese martial arts films are still mostly chivalrous swordsmen. Uh, and there are exceptions to Wong Fei Hung films with the guy whose name I can't remember right now, but you know who I'm talking about, <laughs> um, you know, we're there forever. But we still like Cheng She was just starting to like kind of sew his oats, like just started, you know, just started working with like uh, David Chang and uh, D Long. And, you know, but even then they were still making things like have sword will travel, you know? <laughs> right. Right. You know, I think, I think they might've done, there was one film where, uh, D long is like a, uh, Thai kickboxer and David Chang is his like oh, sure, right. brother. Right. I really wish I could remember the name of it off the top right. of my head. It's a, it's a beautiful, that film is not good. I, I, I will, I will future me will put in the name <laughs> future editor, Paul here. The name of the movie we couldn't remember was Duel of Fists from 1971. But uh, it's uh, it's a beautiful travelogue. The, the photography, yeah. I think, it's just gorgeous in that film. Gorgeous. But anyway, let's go through the films. And we're starting... Well, well wait. I, I mean, We're starting you, with Marlowe. Right, right. <laughs> James Gardner. But are you, <laughs> are you saying then that you feel... Because since we're going through his films, his first... The first Bruce Lee film is The Big Boss from 1971, mm -hmm. also known as Fists of Fury. It's going to start getting confusing. But... Yeah. Do you consider the big boss the archetypical kind of basher film that that there are millions of? I mean, I mean, five figures of, of death. Where do you start? Yeah, yeah the <laughs> Chinese boxer. Is that the prototype to you? Do you find that? I mean, I'm always like um, Five Fingers of Death is one of my favorite films, so that's always going to sort of be my lead. Um, and I also have. Referring to a film as the basher as a basher is a kind of weird, non-defined, defined thing. Yeah, like of I've heard course. people refer to like Thirty Six Chambers as a basher, which is idiotic. Um, you know, I'm I mean, it, it's you know, it's it's less racially charged than something like Ch uh, Chopsaki, but it's still in that kind of like. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are like, Basher means a dubbed Kung Fu film that came out before the Shaw Brothers film. Right. And, and what we're thinking is, is, I think I've used the punch and block kind of method. Yeah. What you have is you have male leaded films about a fighter. There's might be tournaments. There's wrongdoings. There's you know, big open fields where people mm -hmm. punch each other. Yeah. <laughs> big um, open fields in either the Shore Brothers back lot or somewhere in Taiwan. Right. Depending and there, on and there, you know, and there might be some acrobatic stuff in it, but it's not really about that. It's it, it it's a more grounded 
type there's of no real wire like wire work is minimalized yeah right and and so yeah that's what i think of yeah i usually call it punch and block but definitely i you know the big boss for me is something that again i i think of as in that influential category is this important film but i don't think of it a lot because I, I honestly, here's, here's my take. A couple of weeks ago, I went to rewatch it, right? Because we mm-hmm. talked about this being the, Bruce Lee being the second episode. Um, I hadn't seen it in years. And I watched about 15 minutes of it and I kind of got bored and I, I turned it off. And then of course it went off streaming, whatever streaming thing. <laughs> and then I think, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll dig out my DVD that's fucking 30 years old or whatever it is now. And, you know, all this other shit. But I understand why it's iconic. I think the fights in it, are interesting and good although it has that great cartoon thing where bruce lee punches a guy to a wall and it's yeah well, that, that's kind of unfortunate <laughs> yeah, apparently, yeah. Bru- apparently bruce lee argued lole like this is the dumbest thing in the world don't do this right. even though <laughs> even though that's what i'll remember the most because it it, it goes to my because it's iconic it's a guy you know it's a it's a roadrunner cartoon you know <laughs> right but i think for me i don't think bruce lee works very well in in, in a film like this he's he's you know, he's a little too kind of either angry or blank faced in, in, they don't, he doesn't have much to do, I guess, other than fighting. That's another thing, you know, the, the non-fighting portions of the big boss, I just, they just don't work for me. They just counterpoint early in the film, the uncle, uh, while talking to James Tien and the dudes, and like Bruce Lee's, I guess, extended family, does say the following line. Uh, what about old Chad? I heard he had his prostate removed. That <laughs> makes a man as useless as a eunuch. Which first yeah. heard when I was like 12 years old, stuck with me for the last 40 years. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it's, it's so weird that the, the humor in it doesn't work. The melodrama doesn't work. You know, we're, we're going to look at Bruce Lee films, right? And we're going to talk about from basically 1971, and then he's, he dies in 73. Mm-hmm. I mean, this man doesn't have a lot of time to develop what he's going to do in movies. That, that's a hint at what I'm getting at later. To me, yes, I can understand why people would have liked it. He's a unique presence. He looks totally different. He, he, he has a totally different screen presence than so many other actors, especially in the early 70s. Yeah, I mean, as a film, I mean, how do you rate it? When you, know, when you watch it, what do you think of it? Okay, I have a lot of thoughts on The Big Boss. To me, The Big Boss is like listening to Hardcore Devo or basically hearing the demo tapes of whatever your favorite band happens to be. Is it perfect? No, but you can kind of see the energy there. Um, And for one thing in Bruce Lee's defense, like he signs a contract with like, he goes to Hong Kong apparently to help his uh, mother get visa privileges to move to America. And while, and as it happened, the Green Hornet had a loyal, you know, had a basically a loyal following in Hong Kong. And he was kind of like the hometown guy who made good. So Raymond Chow, who had no money and no success at this point, you know, basically says, okay, I'm going to give you a two picture contract. And as it happens, James Tien was kind of the star that uh, the star that Golden Harvest was kind of pushing. So that film is kind of like one thing about that film is like the first act of it 
is basically, you know, Lo Wei and Raymond Chow deciding who's going to be their movie star. <laughs> is it going to be Bruce Lee or is it going to be James Tian? And if you watch the film, first act of the film, all James Tian fighting, no Bruce Lee fighting. Watching it, you know, two days ago, one of the things that is stunning, and there are not a lot of fights in this film. It's, it's not like... One reason I would not call it like the ultimate basher or anything like that is there's really, you know, it's really a drought of fighting sequence of fight sequences for a film that is about, you know, guys beating the and, shit. And out it's of also not short. It's not no, short. no, it's, they're all, yeah, the Bruce Lee films are weirdly long. Yeah. Like they're all about, a, you know, an hour and 45 minutes. Exactly. The average yeah. Kung Fu film is like 80 to 95. But, you know, with that said, like, you know, so, the, so it does have flaws. Uh, and there are a lot of like weirdo things I like about the film, and we'll get to that. But the thing, the thing that's sort of interesting is that like when Bruce Lee finally fights, uh, you know, in the ice factory, which by the way, what a weird job! You know, like, of all things, it's like where are they going to work? I don't know, an ice factory. Uh, Which but, is apparently still there. So if you and I, you know, if you ever get bored, we can take a trip to Thailand and visit the ice factory. Well, and apparently it looks mostly the same. It's <laughs> like, interesting because I always remember it's an ice factory. Yeah. If someone says, where's, where's, what's the fight? Where's that fight? Is it a sawmill? Oh, no, it's not a sawmill. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's an no, ice it's factory. An ice factory. Right. It's where you make ice. Yeah. But like once you see it, like the difference between James Tien, uh, who, you know, is the lead in most of the fights in the first third of the film, and Bruce Lee, who is, you know, basically, you know, does all the fights in the last half of the last like third of the film is it's just like a guy basically swinging his arms wildly, like doing kicks that, <laughs> you know, as a non-martial artist clearly have no power. And a guy who like, you know, let's say Bruce is kicking you with his right leg. You can see that his left leg is firmly planted on the ground. Like you could see that these punches and these kicks have power to them. Yeah. Um, which I, which again, it's just a sort of like, you watch the first third and then you watch the last third and it's sort of like, and now the Kung Fu movie is born, um, you know, like, you know, the difference between like, you know, a guy who may have had some stunt training, you know, may have taken some like Kung Fu, you know, the same way you or I like, you know, played little league or something like that, mm. you know, versus like, you know, you know, versus Mickey Mantle. Well, like, well, this is an interesting point, and I think I'll bring this up now. One of the things that's always bothered me about Bruce Lee, and this has nothing to do with Bruce Lee, I, I actually remember being very young, very young, and watching uh, maybe the first conspiracy that I ever heard of. Might have been on the David Susskind show, if anybody's mm -hmm. old enough out there that might remember that. They were talking about Bruce Lee's death. You know, there's always been like, how did he die? There's this myth about him. He was so young. Was it, was it you know... Did oh, and we'll get to that shit. Yeah, we'll did, get to the Bruce Plotation. Right. right. You, know? you know, did he have a death blow? And that's it. You grow up watching Bruce Plotation, and, mm -hmm. and this is the legend. When did you first know that Bruce Lee had been making movies and, and TV all his life? I mean, literally all his life. Somewhere in junior high school, I watched, I think it's, I get my Bruce exploitation titles confused, but there was the documentary that Golden Harvest produced. I think it's Bruce Lee, the man, the myth. Okay. And they showed the footage of him as a kid. Okay. And they showed like, yeah, so I taught Bruce Lee some like, uh, you know, um, you know, for argument's sake, Mantis style. And he taught me like cha-cha lessons. Right. Uh, I think he got the better end of the deal. Ho, ho, ho. You know, <laughs> like... 
you know, so I knew by the time I was 13, but obviously I didn't know as a kid. And if you've seen that footage of like Bruce Lee's right. child actor, there's one he does when I'm guessing he's about, you know, like just turn, you know, just turns like, uh, yeah, just turns like to a teenager where he's doing the things like, you know, putting his thumb against his nose. Like yeah. he's not fighting in any real way, but he has those ticks right. that he would use for all his life. Right. It's interesting. So, so one of the things that I think to consider when I think of Bruce Lee is Bruce Lee was an actor all his life, a, a real life martial artist, but not necessarily an actor doing martial arts films and necessarily knowing how to do that. Again, I, I am hinting at what I'm getting at. <laughs> it always bothered me because the, you know, there's so many Bruce Ploitation films. It's like, I, 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 you know, I'm living in San Francisco and these bad guys are beating me up and I'm going to train or, or whatever. And, and yeah, Bruce Lee is an actor. I, I saw mean, one documentary where uh, Linda Lee Caldwell, his, you know, his wife would talk about like when he lived in like Oakland, like, oh yeah, Chinatown is playing this film I made when I was 17. That was really big. And it take wow. all the students to it, you know, wow, like, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. But I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm curious about that as we get into the myth of uh, and legend of Bruce Lee, but did, what else did you want to add about the big boss? Oh my God. I could add so much about this damn film. Um, it is so, as I said, it's kind of like a demo tape because it's Bruce Lee and you have the kicks, you have the punches, but you don't have him with the weapons. You know, you don't have like a Western fighter, um, you know, or like, like somebody who's more imposing than Bruce Lee, which is something he would always add in his later films, yep. but you do have things, but like, it's so goddamn weird and fun in a in a fun like exploitation way like the titular big boss and i can't remember the actor's name but he was also the fight choreographer and if bruce lee isn't fighting he's the guy who did the fights uh and this would be true also with the Fury slash chinese connection is so slimy looking oh yeah you know he has that like weird oval face with like the the crazy mustache and the most disinterested harem in the world. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming they're like just, you know, local women. and But they all look like, you know, they're all staring out in the sky while giving him like massage. Like clearly don't care about him. Like the clothes are great. You know, and, and I do actually like the end fight a lot. I do like, and it's a nice mix of what Bruce Lee does versus what a classic Hong Kong choreographer at the time does. Right. And, and they kind of mix a lot of interesting things. Like it's mostly kicks and punches, but there's that like, you know, kind of leg grappling part, you know, sort of in the middle. Mm. Um, and also, and this is because it's so early in the genre and so early in the genre that gets moved to a Western audience. Like, you have the dub where all the voice actors are quasi affecting an Asian accent, which fortunately would eventually leave yeah. the obvious like racism aside. You kind of get like, okay, we're making a Hong Kong where you're dubbing this like Kung Fu movie. Shouldn't we sound like we're Chinese, I guess. Mm. Uh, and you have things like they fill, you know, like the brothel that Bruce Lee goes to is an actual brothel. Um, you know, it, it is such this sort of like weird, you know, shot on the scene exploitation film. And I love it for that. Um, and one, you know, uh, one guy wrote, um, I, I forget if there's this commentary or something else points out that it is the only Bruce Lee film where like Bruce Lee has a character, has an actual arc. 
a story arc. Okay. Like starts as a guy who can't fight, learns to fight, you know, becomes the sort of like, like gets a job as the foreman, then realizes that he's being abused. Like there are actually like story beats to it and he right. grows as a person. And there's that scene with him right before the final fight where like he decides that like, hey, all my like quasi family, these are good people and they died. Uh, you know, I'm not supposed to fight and I'm worried about my mother who told me not to fight. And at the same time, I need to defend myself. You know, like I need to avenge these innocent people who were murdered by this super sleazy villain. So that's most of my thoughts on it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It it, it isn't it, is it for me. Uh, I, I, I do appreciate its importance in the genre, but it wouldn't be necessarily a film I would go to rewatch. And I tried to, and I didn't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but then I guess, then we go on to the next one, which kind of really is where Bruce Lee is kind of becoming Bruce Lee. You know, where we get in 1972, we get Fist of Fury, singular, mm -hmm. a.k.a. the Chinese connection. It's a funny, you know, the, the, the story behind Big Boss was going to be called, uh, you know, Big Boss is going to be called Chinese Connection because there was a heroin subplot in it, heroin dealing subplot. Right. And Fist of Fury was going to be called Fist of Fury because it's about a guy who has fists and they're very furious. Right. I've always sort of wondered, you know, because the story is always like, you know, somebody like mixed up the titles and the credit sequences and stuff like that. I've always, I've always sort of wondered, it was like how that's the like last thing you do on a film are the <laughs> credits. It feels like such a, Hey, I'm white guy, whitey, who's exploiting, uh, you know, who's, you know, basically exploiting Hong Kong films. What are you going to call these films? You know, ah, uh, you know, Chinese Connection, Fist of Fury. Great. Um, which is which? Well, one has heroin. Great. Oh, well, it turns out we mix them up. Who gives a shit? These are films for idiots. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. it feels like there's this sort of like racist, like, I don't care who, who gives a crap. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I'm sure nobody thought that these films would be, uh, would be as, as beloved and important you know, all these years later. Uh, I'm sure they were thought to be disposable. Uh, you think that we like Enter the Dragon, a big hit, you know, like a gigantic hit, that there would have been like, like one, you know, the, whoever was the distributor of these would have at least been like, oh yeah, maybe we should like kind of class them up. Right. Or something like that. Right. Well, the one other thing I want to mention about the big boss, I love the villain, the, the titular big boss, I love his like Thai mansion, which is just such a weird like. This is my gigantic house. No, I don't bother to have furniture in it, yeah. you know. Like, or like, yes, I am a, a ridiculously wealthy man. You can tell by my chain link fence that surrounds my property. It, it's like again, like I love the movie because it's so weird. Not saying it's good, but it is just odd, right? And it, you know, I don't want to watch it necessarily like every year. But every two years, I'm always like, oh, man, this is great. <laughs> you know? In 1972, we get Fist of Fury, you know, and uh, I guess, like I was saying, I, I feel like that's that's kind of the Bruce Lee film where it's really Bruce Lee. Like you said before, he doesn't really have an arc. And like I said before, he comes in badass. He's badass from the get-go. He comes in, he's angry, he knows how to fight. I understand why this is an iconic film. 
it, you know, I it, would hope so. <laughs> it has a, it has, a, it has a great story. Uh, you know, it's been remade so many times. Mm-hmm. But I'm one of those assholes who would rather watch Fist of Legend, the Jet Li <laughs> version. I remember when that film, the non-racist version of the film. <laughs> I mean that that I mean people hated that film because they loved really. Bruce Lee. Yeah, because they love Bruce Lee. They that I mean I, I remember a lot of people saying you know it's wire work and it's all fake, where Bruce Lee was a real martial artist and all that dumb crap. It's another film that I like the fights in it. I don't really feel a need to rewatch it. It doesn't draw me into rewatching it. I don't know what it is. Okay. So when I watched this, if you're, I'm going to say there are three things that stuck out to me okay. uh, when I watched it a couple of days ago. Yeah. And you can spin off from there. Number one is the exact opposite of you felt, which is just like, wow, I really like this movie. If you told me what are my, if you asked me what are like, my top 10 70s Kung Fu films, I would not use, I would not put Fist of Fury in there. But like once I put it on, you know, and I was like, I'll watch this for like a half hour. It's getting late and I'll go to bed. But no, I, I watched the entire film. So there's that, number one. Um, and that's the personal thing. On a directoral thing, the, this is the first time that I noticed opening the film, Bruce Lee goes to uh, his school He's late to his master's funeral. And when he gets into the school, uh, you know, he sees the shrine dedicated to his dead master. And the only and there's only one person there, and it's the cook, who, spoiler for a you know, 50-year-old <laughs> movie, is the guy who, you know, is who actually poisoned Bruce Lee's master. And it was just that sort of like, huh, you know, I don't know what it means necessarily symbolically. But it shows me on some level that low way was, you know, there was some thought behind the film. Like, like there was some some thought in the direction. Like there's a kind of like, yeah, these two guys are connected. You don't necessarily see how at this point, obviously. But like, you know, it's not like a random student. It's not the janitor. It's the murderer of his master that he first sees. And I was like, okay, that's a nice little aspect to it. And the third thing that I noticed and was blown away by was that apparently there are some dubs and I'm guessing in England where there is a English lyric version of the theme song, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is incredible. Right. You sent me a link to that. I've played it several <laughs> times. I'm going to play part of it now. I use hands to help with what I can. Use your hands to help your fellow man. <laughs> yeah. Or, and then work in that title. Uh, yeah. Look, it's a, it's a patriotic film. You know, the, the, the weak man of Asia idea. Sick man. Let's get it right. Come well, on. well, it depends on the translation. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Japanese rivalry, you know, it's a good drama. Uh, yes. Like you're saying, we, we start getting the, we get a Western fighter. You know, we get uh, Japanese fighters. These feel, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's a... How many films ripped off the basic concept of, I, I, yeah. of just the Japanese, like, oppressing the Chinese? You know, right, like... right. You know, again, ridiculously important because it's a Bruce Lee film. It's a powerful Bruce Lee film. 
Golden and, Harvest as a backlot. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yet it still doesn't quite work for me. I don't know why. You know, again, the fight the fights are interesting, but we also get we also get dummies. We get two oh, yeah. <laughs> dummies, which I like. Which I think the reason I keep on going back to that is I might just have a tendency to prefer the weird and odd over the melodramatic and serious in a martial arts film. So, you know, I might go for where obviously Jimmy Wang Yu is nowhere near as good on screen as Bruce Lee, but his you films are say. yeah. <laughs> his films are over the top and the characters are ridiculous and the no, films are ridiculous. insane. They're delightful. Yeah. <laughs> so so because of that I, I I really yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. Don't worry, there's there's gonna be a change coming soon. But uh, it also has things, and I wonder, and maybe I'm going to be stepping on your uh your theory, which is unknown to me at this point. There's also that thing where like I kind of feel Bruce Lee is trying to show off being an actor. And I mean that in a good way, like oh, yes. playing the rickshaw driver, playing the Jerry Lewis-esque like telephone like repairman. Yes, yes. Um, you know, and also playing the like old guy who's selling newspapers. Like right. there's, there's like Bruce Lee doing a lot of stuff. Like even though besides the, fighting. Right. Know? Even though there's a very there's a very serious tone to it, there's some you start seeing Bruce Lee and, and, and forgive me, I don't remember this, and since I didn't get to rewatch all of it the other day, the big boss. I don't remember him being playful in that. There's there's a playfulness that you start saying, you know, Bruce Lee is charming. He should he should be charming in scenes. He should be interesting to see in scenes. That is starting something that I'm seeing as he's making more and more films. Is it's so iconic? I I mean, I can't tell you growing up how many times there were commercials on TV that samurai sword flying in the air in slow motion. <laughs> and that that's another thing. Now that I think of it, I, I don't like a lot of the use of slow motion in the films either. I, I, I've i always had problems with certain slow motion in action. I don't think they're used very well for me in the choreography. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but you like it. Well, one thing that struck me from watching this is this is, enter the dragon aside, one of, of the Hong Kong produced Bruce Lee movies. This is the one that has the pacing of a kung fu film like that fight you know bruce lee goes to the japanese school roughly at the 15 minute mark yeah. like there are a lot of fights like i said in big boss he doesn't you know doesn't do a punch doesn't do a kick for basically 45 minutes uh way of the dragon he does his first fight is basically at the 45 minute mark but um fist of fury is the only one where it's sort of like okay we're gonna have a fight every 10 to 15 minutes or at least some sort of action scene. Like I wouldn't necessarily call like him busting down the uh, sign at the park in Shanghai, yeah. like a, a fight, but it's a sort of like, I'm a physical guy doing a physical thing and mm. scaring off like foreigners. Right. Um, it is the one that has like the best pacing. And it also has like, when you look at the, like him busting out, uh, busting down the like Japanese school in the first you know, in the, the kind of first sequence, like you have like all of the like students, they get taken out inside of five minutes, but they spend time with the master, the, you know, kind of like yeah. tubby guy with the glasses, like, okay, well, he's, you know, he's the judo master of the school. I can't just beat him in two punches. Like 
you know, I'm going to beat him, but it's going to take me a minute or two. Yeah. And I like that there was a sort of like, all right, like how good you are says how difficult it'll be for me to defeat. As you said, there's the samurai sword, you know, like the samurai sword flying through the air. There's the first Western fighter and it's not Bob Wall who'd be in the next two films, but it, but like, you know, he's menacing. And in that fight, there's like, you know, when Bruce Lee is like kind of grappled in whatever that leg lock is, he, you know, bites the guy's shin. You know, and, you know, which is to Bruce Lee's philosophy, like how you win, a doesn't matter how you win a fight, it matters that you win the fight. Well, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think until thinking about these films this last time around that I realized how he is kind of getting into, Bruce Lee is putting wrestling moves in, he is doing, there is a kind of MMA yeah. philosophy to almost Bruce Lee. Oh, uh, sure. So, yeah, yeah. And there is that, you know, and with that said, and I, you know, love the film and, you know, love the film a lot. I also love, just as a fan of the genre, I love that, like, most of the cast of, like, Big Boss is in this film in one way or another. <laughs> you know, with all that love, there is that kind of thing. And I don't know how much of this is just, like, uh, Golden Harvest was on the cheap at the time, how much, like, Low Way didn't care. But you have these little things, like... You can clearly see the astroturf slide around when they're fighting in the Japanese Japanese school's courtyard. Right. You know, you'll have, and this is a low way thing, a low way thing. You'll have like in the scene where he kicks down the sign of no Chinese and no dogs. Like, okay, he kicks the sign off, and that's great. But like, suddenly you then have a shot of like him, what thirty feet in the air, kicking the sign. Yeah, yeah, right. There's, <laughs> there's, those, there's that that quality of all of a sudden shooting people as if they're flying. And I also, you know, and granted, Cheng Shui was doing basically the same thing at the time. But like, I love the ending. I love the idea that like, you know, he defeats these villains, but it's just how it is in Shanghai in 1930. You know, spoilers. You, you can't kill. Yeah, yeah. like spoilers for again a fifty-year-old yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah, but like you know, you you can't kill a hundred Japanese people and expect yeah. not to be punished for it. And just, and and I love the idea. And like this is powerful to me when I was like eight, and it's still powerful to me now. That it's just like, all right, there's a firing squad. I'm gonna run at it. Yeah, and kick, and the film ends with gunshots. You yeah. know, in a freeze frame. Yeah, That's, I, yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right. It's 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 very it's it is powerful and it. And it makes sense, you know, why it's so important. Again, I'm so contrary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it should be noted, Bruce Lee actually hired Japanese actors to play the, not, uh, you know, to, to play the big, you know, the big villain in the film and his like secondary, yeah, in his secondary villain. Yeah. And that, and it's a kind of weird thing about Hong Kong cinema, and I'm sure, you know, in further episodes we'll get to this, where... So many films are about how the Japanese are terrible and the Chinese are the righteous men who need to defeat them. And at the same time, you know, like Shaw Brothers would have hired Japanese cinematographers. Everybody obviously was a big Kurosawa fan. And by, you know, and by extension, we're big fans of like samurai films, you know, right. like. His next movie, which isn't released till after Enter the Dragon comes out, but is from 1972, is, is, is Way of the Dragon. Now was that not really just not released in America till after? Yes, it was. It was not okay. released in America till uh, after. So that's why in America it's known as Return, Return of the, the Dragon. Dragon. Yeah. And uh, I really exploitative about that, right? And <laughs> uh, I really, really, really like this movie. It's my favorite Bruce Lee movie. It has been since I was a kid. 
on rewatching, it's you know, yeah, it has issues. There's a there's a development of of whatever that Bruce Lee's movie star quality martial arts guy is becoming. There's there's more humor. You know, I could I could live without all the soup eating in the beginning of it, but there's there's some interesting but that fish out of water stuff. It, it doesn't not work, right? You know? you know, it's it's got an interesting premise where again, Bruce Lee comes fully formed in this. He's a kick-ass fighter. He he comes over to Rome to work in a restaurant. You know, there's of course you know somebody wants the restaurant, so it's it's <laughs> the, the the plot behind this. You know. In, in, in Fist of Fury, it's a very a political, you know, nationalistic movie. Big Boss, how would you categorize that, you know, thematically? Is it... It's a very class-based movie. Okay. Like all the guys who work at the, you know, the guys who work at the ice factory, they all live in one in a one-room place. Right. You know, they're, they're all, and they're all there because the idea is that like, Oh, if I, you know, if we save up here, like we can open our own business back in like Hong Kong or China, you know, in five years, the, the, the big boss is, you know, always like, right. well, I tell my men to be thrifty and right, not right. to spend their money. Right. So, you so know? as opposed to the, the bad guy who has bird, bird cage, you yeah. know, and is, who has a bird cage and a weird harem of weird uninteresting harem. tiger. Right. So, so, <laughs> so in way of a way of the dragon, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a very simple plot. You know, he's going to come into things and he's going to, it turns out he could kick ass, you know, just in time for problems happening. And I really like this film. I think it, it's interesting because the problems I have in other Bruce Lee films, you know, we talked about, you know, the underlings are going to be dispatched quickly, right? A lot of what happens in Way of the Dragon is Bruce Lee fighting a menagerie of goofy looking guys in tank top shirts <laughs> in a back alley lot, yeah. right? And he beats the shit out of them. Especially like Western guys, you know, like, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. like black and white actors as exactly. opposed to like yeah. Asians. Yeah. Pudgy guys, skinny guys. Yeah. It's, and it's, and it's played for comedy. And that works so much better for me. So Bruce Lee is amazing and kicking ass and he is beating up kind of jerk offs. Yeah, they're thugs. They they do well beating up your average Joe, but they're nothing. They look like clowns compared to Bruce Lee. And it oh, works for yeah. me. And the and there's the 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 nunchuck stuff, throwing of the, the those little darts he made yeah, instead of like chopsticks. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he literally I mean I thought that was so cool. It's a way to stop guns, which is right. one of Bruce Lee's big things in the genre. Right. Like, it's it's thought when out. guns exist, how do you you know, like, how can you actually punch somebody? There's you know? a there's a scene in the movie where Bruce Lee picks up his hands and he counts the number of wooden darts he has left. Mm-hmm. Like it's all it's it's there. It's forming. Something is happening now. The humor, the melodrama, the fighting is is interesting as hell. Chuck Norris is a fascinating choice for a guy because oh, you know, and even though they had to do the the Coliseum fight on a set. Yeah, and that's Golden Harvest. Yeah, yeah, it's not in Rome, but right. It's 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 so iconic, and even though I might not consider that my favorite Bruce Lee fight scene, I understand why it's beloved. It's exciting. 
it's interesting. The movie works for me more than any of his other movies work for me. <laughs> and I don't know why, because I'm sure, and, and maybe you'll be one of them. I'm sure if I was sitting down in a room full of Bruce Lee fanatics, they would think I'm crazy compared to what I've dismissed already. You know? Well, I, I mean, okay. One of the things and I think I've been hinting at this is, and I, I, you know, and, and if I didn't hit on this on Chinese connection, I'll do this. I'll do it with way of the dragon, a part of Bruce Lee's ethos where Bruce Lee was setting himself up to be an American star. Okay. Like, you know, if you watch Chinese connection again, you're doing like, you have the telephone repairman, you have, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you have things like, and we didn't mention this with the, uh, you know, uh, Fist of Fury, you have things like, I don't know the name of the effect, but the camera effect where his arm is. Right. There's a, yeah, there's a blurring and fluttering effect. Yeah. Uh, uh, reminiscent of something like King Boxer where he gets the light yeah. where it's something to show his power. Or his yeah, power. exactly. But it's reminiscent, but it's also, it's not, you know, it's so, it's specific. As opposed to King Boxer, I'd almost compare it to like Christopher Reeve fighting, you know, flying in Superman. It is so like, you're not just making a star, you're making a superhero. Okay. And when you watch uh, Way of the Dragon, I mean, and first of all, let, let's just start. This is the first, uh, you know, According to most people, this is the first Hong Kong film that shot footage outside of Asia. Okay. You know, that shot foot, shot footage in Rome, which is, you know, which is swagger. That is a yeah. big leap. Like, you know, and you're shooting in, you know, one of the major cities of Europe. You know, one of the most, you know, like, you're shooting in Rome. Um, and you have, again, you have like a solid 15, 20 minutes of fish out of water stuff. Yes. Bruce Lee, you know, scaring the kid about the ice cream cone. Like, I think there are three gags where Bruce Lee has to use the bathroom. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> the last one being that he's actually like has his feet on the toilet seat squatting when a guy walks into the restaurant. You know, you have him not understanding the language. You have him being confused. It is so like, my name is Bruce Lee. Here's what I can do. It's almost it's almost a sizzle reel. Right. Um, and then on top of that, and lest we forget, Bruce Lee directs this film. Um, but then on top of that, you have like Bruce, how do I say this? Like you have Bruce also knowing who he is. Like one fascinating thing about the film, and I'm surprised you didn't mention, is that Bruce Lee's first fight is at the 45 minute mark. And this is not Big Boss where like, you know, right. people were rolling the dice on him as a star. This is his decision, right? Where, like, you know, it's almost, you know, every like good concert we've seen, particularly as teenagers, it'd be like, oh mm -hmm. my God, one of the Ramones going to come on, right? You know, like, like, well, why I, do we have to wait a half hour? They have well, four instruments. Well the, <laughs> well, the thing with Way of the Dragon is, I think what you get is you talked about not much of an arc, but what you in in past the Big Boss, but I think in Way of the Dragon, what you get is a setup of Bruce Lee being, and I'll use the word bumpkin because it mm -hmm. seems to be used even in translations. Oh yeah, no, bumpkin, this, like that and Big Boss. Right. He's the bumpkin. Right. You know? <laughs> he, co he comes in and he doesn't understand and he's very awkward and he's very nervous and he only understands Chinese. 
So there's there's a lot of but I would get the hint that it's like a rural Chinese dialect. It's not like the Cantonese that you would hear necessarily at a Chinese restaurant on Canal Street. Bruce Lee is introduced to the other employees at this Chinese restaurant. You know, they they're in, you know, Chinese geese, they're outside and they're practicing. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, and, they're they're in Japanese. They're they're trying to do Oh, karate. I'm sorry. I, that's what I meant. I mean they're, yeah, in, yeah, they're yeah. in Japanese. They're in Japanese geese and they're practicing and here's our silly country boy and you know they're trying to act tough and before bruce lee could show anything they're kind of brought in to do their work eventually when the plot the 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 plot is you know somebody needs the restaurant bad guy needs restaurant save the youth center and uh and bruce lee's fighting and when Mm -hmm. we see him fight everyone's amazed he's he's transformed he's like holy shit Oh and, yeah, one kick throws somebody through like right. thirty feet in the air, and <laughs> it's and it's really, it really works. Mm-hmm. And again, even though these guys don't feel as menacing or as maybe true adversaries for him because they are just the lackeys, those scenes work. And there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them where he keeps on beating these guys up. You always say, "What's what are these guys getting paid? Is it worth <laughs> it?" And uh, I find it very fun and watchable. And I do, when I do think of Bruce Lee, and I feel like watching a Bruce Lee film, I go back to this movie over and over and over again. It's also such a, and one thing about Bruce Lee, which we haven't addressed, Bruce Lee was a smart dude. Like Bruce Lee was a, a bilingual kid, moves to America, gets a degree in philosophy, opens a chain of Kung Fu schools on the West Coast which works on his way into Hollywood where among other things, he befriends Steve McQueen, who's basically like the biggest movie star in the world. And there is a thoughtfulness to Bruce where like you watch, like, like there are little things I noticed. I don't know what dub you watched away the dragon with most recently, but the, but, the, the, the most recent, dub. whatever, whatever is the current uh, criterion version. Okay. Oh, the criteria. Okay. So the same one I watch, which is not the one we watched as kids, no. which is to say, you know, all the Western actors are speaking in English and all the Chinese actors are speaking in Chinese. I'm oversimplifying, but right. when we were kids, everybody spoke English, which is right. a big, kung fu, you know, also right. a problem with Heroes of the East, several other films where you're right. just sort of like, wait a minute, like, you know, like, like when Bruce Lee says, like, I would like a hot dog. Why does this other guy have to say he wants a hot dog? <laughs> right, you know, right. Like, right, exactly. Um so, and, and by the way, best dub I've ever like heard of it as a dub, where it's just like, oh, somebody put real thought into this. But you watch it, like, there's all these little things, like all the guys he works at the restaurant with, um, which is like, you know, which, you know, guys that have been in the first two Bruce Lee films. And and I love that there's like a kind of Bruce Lee stock company. Yeah. Uh, but I love like, like, ha, huh, this is like Ah Chen. What are your names? I'm Jimmy. I'm Peter. Like they've all taken Western names. They've all kind of like grown accustomed to living in Europe. You know, they're trying to be modern. Whereas Bruce Lee, again, to the you know, is like still a bumpkin. Doesn't quite get that. Yeah, I know it's a small point, but it's something that like I really found kind of fascinating watching it this time. Like, oh yeah, no, like Bruce is you know again directed the film was like really being thoughtful about how he's betraying everybody. Like, like there is, you know, it's not just like, oh, I'm a goofus, you know, right. who has no Kung Fu. It's sort of like, no, these guys are like trying to be modern, trying to be hip. 
And, you know, and again, Bruce Lee, like he's not from like Macau or Hong Kong. He is from like well into the in country. Like there are a lot of like Bruce Lee haters, you know, from the top to bottom. I think like, you know, Tarantino wrote an article like, oh, Jimmy Wang used a better director, which by the way, and this is what I want to, you know, this is one of the things I want to get into with Way of the Dragon. Whether or not you think Chuck Norris versus Bruce Lee is, you know, the best fight or whatever is sort of secondary to me, like, to Bruce Lee's a thoughtful director, like to stage it, like, okay, it's going to be at the Coliseum. And again, and people kind of ignore this, like shooting in Europe for a Hong Kong studio and a studio like Golden Harvest, who two years ago had to send like the guy who played Cato to Bangkok. (laughs) This is like a big move, but he's also like, all right, so I want to, you know, I want to cut to the cats watching this. I want to let like, A, it's in, you know, one of the, like one of the seven wonders of the man-made world, you know, B, I'm using a seven-time U.S. karate champion who was not a star at the time, but I think, like, like he was on, like, Room 2-2, like, or, you know, like, he was on, like, he was a guy who, like, and, you know, like, tonight, Johnny Carson has Chuck Norris, seven-time huh. karate champion. Right. But, like... In his stretchy for, pants. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't known for anything else, but, like, he was something of a name. And there, you know, it should be mentioned... You know, like, particularly in the Western world, the idea that a Chinese man could defeat, like, a, you know, burly American was ridiculous. Well, that, like, that, that was... That trope is still being used in the in the fourth Ip Man film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, Scott Atkins is the big, ridiculous white American guy that he has to fight. He's he's terrific in that movie, too. Um, so this but is... But in a, 1972, it's a new idea and very much against... I remember Bruce Lee worked in Hollywood, very much against what people, you know, what Westerners understood their place in, you know, kind yeah. of masculine society. Um, but again, like, you have the cats. It takes place in, uh, you know, takes place at the Coliseum. And the thing I love about the fight, and I'm saying it's the best of the worst, is it is so thoughtful. It is so like, you know, Bruce Lee has to adapt to beat Chuck Norris. Bruce Lee also recognizes Chuck Norris as a warrior of his stature. When Bruce Lee knows he has the upper hand, and this is also true of his earlier films, and it's something that I think is pretty unique to Bruce Lee. He, you know, he always says in his films, you know, like in Chinese Connection, the second time he goes to school, scram, you know, I know I can murder you people with my fists. I don't want to do that. Please just get out of the way. With Chuck Norris, it's like, what's the point? Game of Death, we'll do that again with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, it is just, it's sort of like, one of the things I love about his persona is there's the, I've won, I don't want to kill you if you don't, if I don't have to. Well, yeah, but Bruce Lee spends a lot of time jumping on people and twisting their necks, but not killing them. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> Man, that's that looks horrible. But and and now we're really getting into the the whole thing that becomes the Kung Fu craze because I believe all of these three films make a ton of money overseas. They're very mm-hmm. successful, and Bruce Lee is he, he's making another movie, and he gets called to Hollywood to do Way of the Dragon, which we which we uh not i'm sorry enter the dragon he gets uh, called to do enter the dragon and you know puts this one film to the side and he dies before enter the dragon comes out 
And yeah. again, this is like, this is the perfect recipe for legend. Right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> he's dead. He's this. He'll never make any more. It's that. And, oh my God. And I, I could fully understand then what it was like to go see Enter the Dragon and what it meant to a lot of people. But did you see it in the theater when you were a kid? No, no, no. I mean, I mean I you would have been about like seven or eight or nine. You know, no, like it, no, was, no. it was a huge. Oh, no, I would have been. I would have been six, dude. <laughs> uh, I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> no, but that was. <laughs> and I imagine it also had a lot of re-releases. But I watched <laughs> it. I watched it on TV all the time, and I I don't know how many times. It was I've the outlier. It. it was the Channel right. Eleven Kung Fu movie. Had the contract with Warner Brothers right. syndication. And yet, I I still don't think it's that good. So yeah, enter, so Enter the Dragon's the big thing. It's it's it's. It's iconic. It's it's been parodied. It's balls of fury, the uh, fistful of yen from yen, uh, Kentucky Fried movie from yeah. Kentucky Fried movie. Which, which, by the way, how big of a film is that? It was Into the Dragon that that twenty minute parody is right. basically like hits so many lines. Like these are soldiers are drunk and don't care. You know, like yeah, it is a dead on. You know, almost like literally has dialogue lifts. Like so, I, I actually posted the other day because one of the funniest lines. It's Stevie and I, the wife, do this. It's like uh, if anybody says ruthless, on t he's ruthless, we go toothless because there's that line. <laughs> I should play the audio now. This is Butkus, clan's bodyguard. He is tough and ruthless. This is Kwong, clan's chauffeur. He's rough and toothless. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Uh, well, I'm no dingling. <laughs> you know, but yeah, and and you know it is it is iconic it it is at the blueprint for tournament movies in hong kong it is the western uh, blueprint for tournament movies blood sport everything but and here's the weird thing not to cut you off uh, i apologize for cutting no. you off but like it's the sort of blueprint for the tournament movie but if you think about it it's more in common with the hong kong tournament movie than the western one because the tournament isn't really important it's defeating Han and his heroin right. operation. Right. Like, like it has more in common with like, you know, uh, uh, five fingers of death. And it does like it, blood sport, which is right. all about beating the, the, the main guy. But I, but I feel like there was, you know, so many kids growing up watching that, that eventually made that kind of Western tournament film, mm -hmm. which I think is based on this. And you're right. You're right. The tournament, doesn't matter in this. It doesn't matter in 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 tournament is an excuse for why we don't have guns. Right. The, 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 yeah. The, the tournament doesn't matter in this. It doesn't matter in uh, in uh, King Boxer. It doesn't matter in uh, uh, Masters of the Flying Guillotine. It's just there <laughs> for some shit to go on. It's it, there because Jimmy Wang Yu can't fight, so he was going to have guys who actually could for like twenty minutes. Right. But but it's it, but you know you have a you have a actor who's called Bolo in it, and now he's. Mm -hmm. Always known as Bolo. He changed his name. Right. And we'll <laughs> he be was Yang Z, and now he's Bolo Young. <laughs> and we'll make a lot of Western tournament films, mm -hmm. th those Western tournament films. You meet, our, you meet our hero. He has a friend. That friend might get killed. Some interesting betting aspects of it. There's that. It just, it, it's there. But yeah, it is an important. And unfortunately, that also means that we don't get a lot of interesting fights between different styled people in it. We get a, a, a kind of, you know, a rather lame John Saxon fight. Hey, uh, you know, Jim Kelly is, is underused. Yeah. He, he's, he becomes a star from this. And again, mm -hmm. this is where people would, would punch me in the mouth. 
I, if you said, do you want to see Enter the Dragon or Black Belt Jones, I'd rather see Black Belt Jones. Maybe this is going to this theory that I'm pushing too hard, but there's something that like, it just doesn't get there for me. You know what I, I mean? I will say, yeah, no, I will say that I love John Saxon because I am a exploitation, you know, like complete geek. But if you revert, if you switch the characters between Saxon and, and Kelly, I really would have kind of preferred it if like Kelly and Lee were well, the two guys who, you know, you know, who kind of survive at the end and sort of like have the bond. Well, I, I believe, I believe in one of the articles I read, how true is, is it? John Saxon was supposed to be the one that got killed in the film, but agents wise said, no, I, I want to live till the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, know? I've always heard that it was kind of like John Saxon's cast because Warner Brothers was not that sure about how much they wanted to release a, a, a gigantic film with an Asian actor as a star. So they wanted like, well, John Saxon's a name. Yeah. And right. well, and I also to heard- be fair to Saxon, Jim Kelly never worked prior to this right. movie. So. Right. And 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 my understanding is both Jim Kelly and Saxon were both relatively last minute replacements for the actors that were originally hired. It is what it is. Again, I feel like comparing this to a great martial arts film, it's a great exploitation film. It's a fun exploitation film. It has some amazing scenes in it, but it's a blueprint for a lot of future movies. But yeah, it just doesn't quite do it for me. And I think the weird thing is that to get into what my theory is, after you know teasing it for so long i can't talk about a real bruce lee film what i have to talk about is a fragment <laughs> because after bruce lee dies after all this shit happens right bruce exploitation starts there's a subgenre that we plan on covering in the next episode you know dozens of actors and ridiculous stories and Movies that pretend to actually star Bruce Lee are supposed to be biographies of Bruce Lee, are supposed to be continuations of Bruce Lee. When you talk about those core Bruce Lee movies, his martial arts films, there's really five. And the fifth one is Game of Death, which has such an insane history about it that you could probably do a podcast just about that. Mm -hmm. And... The thing was, he oh, was... Oh, you could do a monograph about right. that film, just like... Because when, when Bruce Lee was called to Hollywood to make Enter the Dragon, he was working on this movie. And here's the thing. Have you have, have you seen Game of Death recently? Did you rewatch Game of Death for this? Marathon? I watched Game of Death right before... Well, no, I take that back. I was going to say I watched it right before we uh, recorded. I watched the Redux, the... Uh, version where they took all the Bruce Lee footage and kind of edited that together as the sort of tower. And that's the point. So <laughs> as a quick background, after Bruce Lee dies, Kraus, who directed Enter the Dragon, is eventually brought on later. This is this is all the way in uh, 1978. So but Bruce, I think he's better known for the big brawl, obviously. Well, or China <laughs> O'Brien. Right, <laughs> right. So in 1978, what they do is they kind of hobble together this nightmare plot of a film. And... The thing With Geek Young. <laughs> and again, the iconic, the iconic nature of Bruce Lee is when you think Bruce Lee, you might think of the Coliseum fight. You might think of, of, of you know, jumping in the air and getting shot. But you also think of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
and there's an idea of a pagoda or something in the back of your head. The tracksuit. Right. Yeah. And the tracksuit. And it's it's so fucking iconic. In Game of Death, which is the ultimate Bruce exploitation film, in that it really is exploiting Bruce Lee, right? It's kind of fascinating as it's a great bad movie, but it's not a good mm -hmm. movie. You know, you were talking about the redux. So, you know, mm -hmm. Bruce Lee, like I said, he gets called to Hollywood. He makes it to the dragon. He dies before he could finish Game of Death. What we get is nothing like what he planned on doing. And I think it was around the year 2000. All of that Bruce Lee footage was released. There's a, a number of different um, ways you could see it. You could see it on YouTube. And the thing is, it's, it's, it's next level stuff. It's not just good. It is, to me, breathtaking. It is unbelievable. If you talk about influencing other movies, whether it's tournaments, whether it's this, I mean, I, I mean, what Bruce Lee was attempting to do in Game of Death kind of creates a lot of video game scenarios. And yeah. Oh, we should have, didn't mention this, but like, am I wrong in saying that like Bruce Lee invented the idea of the villain you fight in a video game as a boss? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think I, I feel like it has to be influenced by that. Without getting much into the the differences between the game of death that re was released and the footage that Bruce Lee put together, which well, is fun to talk about, and yeah. we will. <laughs> yeah. You see what Bruce Lee does? He is playful. He is mm -hmm. funny. He is very energetic. He is amazing with weapons. He fights people that except for maybe Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he's fighting people that give you a pause that they are fucking really good at what they do. Unfortunately- Kareem was a student of Bruce. Oh, you know. I know, but, you know, like... but again, he wasn't, he's not a martial arts film actor. Yeah. You know, I'm sure Kareem- But there I, are things I do want to say about Kareem when we get right, to it, but right. yeah. Like... Instead of getting this idea where Bruce and a bunch of other martial artists Bruce was going to, you know, in his original treatment, Bruce was trying to save his brother and sister who had been kidnapped because he was some kind of fighting champion. And they want him to steal something that's in this Korean, the top of a Korean mm -hmm. pagoda. Pagoda, yeah. Which has, which- That every... was so weird, like, when I read about that. Like, why Korean? Like, why was that? Like, it just seems like such a random yeah. choice, but I specific mean, choice. But, uh, well, it also has Bruce Lee coming to Korea. So he's leaving- uh, Maybe it's he's a fish out of water there, and that helps propel the plot. Sure. Every level, till you got to the MacGuffin on the top of this pagoda, was going to be manned by a different martial artist using a different discipline. Holy shit. That's, <laughs> that's action film writing right there. And even though we only get those three levels, they are fantastic they are unbelievable again one thing about bruce lee and this comes from him you know being you know basically making his name as the genre of kung fu films is basically starting is that there is an evolution the fights in big boss are not as you know the fights in uh uh, Fist of Fury are better than the fights in Big Boss. The fights in Way of the Dragon, well, specifically the uh, Chuck, Chuck Norris fight, is more creative and innovative than the fights in uh, Fist of Fury. 
And when you get to Game of Death, those fights, like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fight uh, specifically, like when you watch it, it is him, you know, before he, you know, kind of realizes that Kareem has, you know, like Kareem can't take like, you know, hard the hard light of the sun. It is a lot of like, what would become MMA? It's like, this guy's taller than me. Okay, I have to close the gap. I have to wait for his kick and then move in and punch and then move back right. before he can hit me again. I love this fight with every fiber of my being. Also saw a game of death in the theater when I was like five oh, or that's six. that's awesome. Probably in a re-release. But, you know, but despite the fact that as well as giving Kareem height, uh, you know, as well as his reach, as well as his obvious size, they also make him like, you know, a superhero, like, like, you know, no, I can also lift you in the air, even though, well, you know, you may be seven and a half feet tall, but you still look like you're 180 pounds. Right. And I, and and I should, I should qualify it as that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a terrific choice. It's iconic. It's very odd to watch. It just isn't my style of fighting. It is still so well thought out as an action director, as a choreographer, what he was going for. You know, you talk, you know, we talk about Bruce Lee and his philosophy of fighting in, in, in one of the scenes. It's just Bruce Lee talking about on one of the levels. It's like, oh, you got to fight like this and you have to do this. Mm-hmm. And this wreath, you know, I could kick your ass with, you know, unlearn this. what you have learned. Right. Yeah. I could, I could, yeah, I could kick your ass. And and so here's my theory. Had Bruce Lee not died, the things that we feel really changed the game in new wave Hong Kong cinema that Jackie and Sammo were doing, that kind of police story in Project A, that kind of like, oh my God, this is next level great. I believe if Bruce Lee had lived, we would have gotten that probably by 73 or 74. I think that if he had lived two more years into him thinking about what he could do and getting a, a set group of actors, again, we talked about it. We're talking about only a few years. He was young. I really think that we really missed out on an unbelievable amount of creative action filmmaking had he lived. And and this is coming from me who spent this whole episode basically criticizing, (laughs) saying, yeah, I like Bruce Lee. I like his fights. I understand this, but it doesn't work for me. But, but there is something there in that game of death sequence. As I said earlier, he's a thoughtful man. Yeah. it, it It is absolutely absolutely terrific you mentioned it before kraus who directed enter the dragon also directed uh the big brawl uh uh jackie Chan's, you know and shino ryan you know the 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 citizen kane of uh right. <laughs> films. But, but but big brawl sucks to me if jackie chan was saddled with big brawl as one of his only few films that would have been regrettable mm-hmm. because he did so much more. He had the opportunity to grow and do things. We'll talk about Jackie, I'm sure, in detail. But the funny thing about Big Brawl is, you're right, Big Brawl does pretty much suck. You say, if like, I never saw Big Brawl, and uh, you said, oh, I don't ever watch Big Brawl, it sucks. I'm like, really? Does Jackie Chan not fight in it? No, no, he fights a bunch. Does he do kind of weird stunts and sort of like, you know, stuff with props? Oh, yeah, totally. Well, does he fight like, you know, kind of weirdos and sort of like have to invent ways to fight him? Like, yeah, yeah, he does. It is one of those, it's like, you know, outside of that, you know, crazy jumping, you know, falling 40 stories, it has every Jackie Chan element. And yet it's terrible. <laughs> and, 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 and I think you've got to my idea. I think <laughs> for me, 
Bruce Lee is about a man who never got past his big brawl time. He never <laughs> got to fully shine. He never got to direct enough films, work with enough people, play with the genre enough. I would have loved to have seen him in a period piece. I would have loved to have seen him. You've seen the, uh, at least the, the photos yeah. of him at Shaw Brothers. Yeah. Like for Shaw Yen. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, holy shit, what would that have been like? And that's the, the ultimate sadness I have about the Bruce Lee stuff. And what I hope I could communicate to people who listen to this is that Bruce Lee is as important as anybody else you could name in, in the Kung Fu movie world. But my sadness is he never got to shine because I think it was there. I think amazing things are on film, but I think it showed that amazing things were coming. And that's my regret. Well, I want to, again, I want to backtrack to Enter the Dragon. And you, you basically said this, but I really want to drive the point home. It is, I have a thing that I often say, and that is Shaft is a terrible movie, but it doesn't matter because it is such a important movie and so transformational. Like, yeah, like nothing makes sense in it. Why are these guys in the 1970s using Tommy guns? Like Gordon Parks may have been one of the greatest photographers of his time, but like as a director, not for me. That's funny because I, I love Shaft and I think Shaft's a great movie, but we'll but, talk about that one day. All right. But it doesn't matter because Richard right. Roundtree is right. awesome and like an amazing charismatic presence. Um, you know, the Isaac Hayes score, like what do you need to say about it? And there are scenes in Shaft that are felt like, I think Shaft, like, uh, you know, charming the two ma uh, mafioso in the bar when he takes, a, like, uh, is an incredible scene. I think it is also a, like, a, a scene that is really progressive in that, like, it shows Shaft, who's, like, the most masculine guy in the world. He's friends with a gay bartender. And the gay bartender is sort of, like, gay, but not in a way that's a, that's reductive you know it's just sort of like hey this is my job i happen to be gay and i like men like okay that's cool i don't care you mind if i take over for you for a while you know like like they're friends i think that's great but and you know you have some great like character actors in there and you have you know you have the always relevant uh shaft and the cop referring to each other as shitty in <laughs> you know because of the guy uh, the woman that chapter from the bar um, but the thing is, it's sort of like, whether you like Shaft or don't like Shaft, I'm sorry to get off on a tangent, it doesn't matter because it's so important. Yeah. Like, you know, if you, like, you know, and Sweetback, whether you love it or hate it, right. it's just such an important film. And that's kind of what Enter the Dragon is. It is yes. transformational. That's kind of what Bruce Lee is. Like, it's not just that he was a good, you know, kick, you know, a good puncher right. and kicker. He is a transformational star for Asians, for Asian Americans, for the whole genre yep. as a point. Now, having said that with Enter the Dragon and you, you put it basically very succinctly, I just kind of want to second this, as an exploitation film, it might be the best exploitation film because it has an A budget. It has, as I said at the beginning, what, like nine leading actors in it. It has this great Lalo Schifrin score. The fights, they ain't police story, and I'm not going to pretend they are, right. but they are solid and they get the job done. It just works so well. Like, K. Luke, you know, doing the dubbing for the actor who plays Han. So they are extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it, it just works so well. Like, I, you know, I, I mean, again, I don't think it, it's not the greatest kung fu film in the world. 
may not be the greatest movie in the world. But if you said, hey, Joe, some driving's playing, uh, you know, playing Enter the Dragon. You want to go and grab a six pack? I'm like, six pack? I'll grab a 24 pack. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I just, it's sort of like, it is an hour and 45 minutes of like pure entertainment. My mom, I think I, when the Criterion set came out, I watched it with her last year. She's like, yeah, I got to admit, that's pretty great. You know? and, and, <laughs> like, and, and, that's, and that's the thing. I mean, I think what we hope to do on this podcast is kind of talk about martial arts films in a, in a personal way that affects us. And I mean, I am a very contrary person and I have some really weird opinions about films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it is weird to talk about someone who is as important, whose films leave me mostly lacking. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing. Uh, and, and, and it was funny as I was reviewing, like thinking about these films and rewatching stuff and, and reading about stuff. I started thinking about exploitation, which we said we'll, we'll hopefully be able to do in our next episode. Uh, I thought I kept on thinking of all next these five episodes. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, what's your favorite exploitation film? Well, it's probably game of death too, you know, uh, well, they're all terrible, but I also all love but, them. But they're, but, they're, but they're not, that's the thing. There's, there's, you know, three Avengers and dynamo and, and and uh it's kind of the one that has like bolo in it, it i mean it, the one it's not even one of the three dozen that has it, it is, i i i haven't i haven't done enough brush it up to remember because bruce Boy i own dynamo like, somewhere i just yeah. gotta find it but you know and, and chinese stuntman and there, there are some really there's outrageous ones you know there's you know there's silly ones but whatever that's something to talk and there's about stuff that, that, you know, it's not exploitation necessarily, but like, I think in like high risk, doesn't Jet Li or Jackie Chung like wear the yellow? The, yes, the orange yes. Black well, there's a lot of consume. yeah. High risk has a lot of uh, behind Tributes. the scenes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jackie Chan doesn't do his own stunts. Mm. Tributes. Um, oh, death to your point. You're right. Like, obviously, I, I would love if Bruce Lee were alive today. And lived a very happy life, and his kids, you know, got to experience their father past the age of six, so on and so forth. But um, yeah, like let's just, you know, and I hope I don't sound ghoulish. If he lived to like 1980, if he was there, you know, if he was able, or let's say 1982, he was there to live long enough where, like, he, Lau Kar Lung, and Jackie and Samo could have been three, you know, three major uh, yeah. choreographers yeah. and you could have seen them mix their stuff together. Yeah. Like, even like, again, Lau Kar Lung, who was the most traditional Kung Fu guy that, that ever was like, was all about, let's do, you know, if I'm doing a movie about a, pra- about praying mantis style, it is going to be about praying mantis <laughs> style. You know, yeah. maybe there might be a couple of moves that are exaggerated, but for the most part, this is all foundationally sound. Like with him and Bruce, who's all about like classic Kung Fu is a joke. You got to adapt and survive. You got to adapt to survive. Like imagine what they could have done. Imagine what like somebody who is as stunt oriented and showbiz oriented as Jackie Chan could have done with somebody Bruce Lee, who was a real martial artist. And part of his reputation was that he was a real martial artist. But at the same time, understood Hollywood, like understood show business, understood razzle dazzle, like, you know, imagine what they could have done. Yeah. You know, imagine, you know, and even, you know, that's sort of on the macro, but like on the micro, like 
oh my God, Bruce Lee working with like Lo Lay and, you know, like, you know, for Shaw Brothers for just one movie. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. No, this, the, the idea, it really is a shame. And it's, it, it, I guess it's just, I, I remember films are subjective. It's all mm-hmm. about why you feel and how you like and, and what it means. And, you know, I think this episode, you know, again, you have to talk about Bruce Lee if you're talking about Kung Fu movies. Yeah. And, uh, and I hope this was a different kind of talk <laughs> about Bruce Lee movies. Uh, Just so, by the way, I'm, I'm being limited in my thinking. Like, I'm using all these Hong Kong guys. Lest we forget, Bruce Lee was an international star. Imagine if, like, this would not have happened in the 70s, but imagine if, like, Roger Moore decided to bow out and they decide, ah, why don't we do Bruce Lee as James Bond? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, or, or, like, you know, what if, like, Bruce Lee became the action film actor du jour as opposed to Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 80s. It's, it's, you know, like... it's a shame. I, I feel like they wouldn't have let him or they wouldn't have felt he could make money because he wasn't. Uh... Yeah, but remember, Enter the Dragon was, again, you know, was a blockbuster before they had the term blockbusters. So, right. like, you never know. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, imagine, like, Bruce and a young, like, circa 1979 Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, no, it's 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 a shame that that for me, Bruce Lee's heights exist some in some alternate universe where he, you know, could have made films for decades and decades to come. So what uh, what other podcasts do you do, Joe? Eh, nothing important. No, I do. Um... ABCD TOS is a Star Trek podcast where we went through the original series uh, in alphabetical order. Uh, we're currently doing the films. Um, I do it with three other people. I do it with uh, Pete the Retailer, Peter Bonadito, who uh, co-hosts the amazingly successful and fun to listen to podcast Star Wars Minute, Tom Taylor, who does the Indiana Jones Minute, and John Engel, who does the Alien Minute. And uh, yeah, all three of those podcasts are great. And we have a lot of fun together. And we originally started doing uh, ABC Devo, which was going through every Devo song in alphabetical order. Because, you know, there's nothing anybody likes more than people talking about songs without actually hearing the songs. <laughs> you could, you know. But the Star Trek one's a lot of fun. <laughs> I will say that. Right. I, I, do, uh, I do a podcast with Evan Dorkin, the comic book artist, yeah, and writer, do. and TV writer called... Uh, Tear Them Apart podcast. I guess all these podcasts you could hear wherever you get podcasts. Tear Them Apart, classically a favorite podcast of mine. You and Evan do have some really insightful thoughts about films, about old horror films. Like, I am a fan, and it takes every ounce of my uh, fortitude to not to not say, hey, what are you going to do just the thing about Frankenstein movies? You know? <laughs> right. As is my love of old horror films. You can find us on Twitter at, uh, if there's still Twitter by the time this comes out, <laughs> uh, at uh, Podcast of Fury. That's where you hear about upcoming stuff, and you can find us there. Kung Fu. That was one of my good ones. I watched a few microphones when we all know it's good. Kung Fu.